open. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Are we keeping that in? <laughs> Welcome back, Dreadfuls. You're listening to another episode of Left for Dread, the horror podcast for everyone from newbies to fanatics. I'm your host, Rye. I'm your other host, Chris. Yay! Yes. Um, so I hope everyone had a lovely Friday the 13th. Bri, how was your Friday the 13th? Well, I can't even remember at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I This whole, this past weekend, and I realized, so, podcast magic. We're recording this on a Tuesday, and I can't. <laughs> Don't peel back I, the curtain. <laughs> I can't even remember what I did yes, yesterday, much less what I did last week mm. i remember work was crazy and i'll leave it there yeah uh, <laughs> work was crazy um but all good, things. all good things i don't know it was it was a nice friday the 13th it's the second one of the year so so i know we got two friday the 13th this year bra fucking vote I, universe I, indeed and uh i don't believe either of us had a chance to watch it but the new black christmas is out um, I have not watched it yet. I am inth- intrigued. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm still very intrigued as well, uh, and I know we're gonna be watching the older original yes. Black Friday or ooh, the older original ooh. Black Christmas soon. Um, so uh, I know this is uh, a little bit left field, but um, everyone should check out Switchblade Sisters because that's a really cool podcast where it focuses on female directors and writers in the filmmaking business. Um, and it's all about um, B-rated schlocky horror films. So that's... Hell yeah. yeah. So that's the, that's the entire focus. Like female creators focusing on like, you know, horror films and so... cult, fil- cult films. And like, it was really cool. Like the host, she worked... She, she, I think she wrote or directed Black Christmas. So um, the recent, most recent episode that came out was was flipping the tables. So she had a special guest on, and they were interviewing her instead for a change. So if you want to learn more about Black Christmas, the remake from the source itself, check out Switchblade Sisters. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that the Soska sisters have an episode on Dead Hooker in her trunk? Um, that's definitely. <laughs> you know what? I, I I listen to Switchblade Sisters on and off. Um, it's on the Max okay. One Network. I would be really surprised they didn't have the Soska sisters on there. So that's definitely someone. Um, they would definitely have uh, in like in their general canon or the fabric of how the show is designed and operates so just so yeah. we know i'm in the process of downloading okay. it as we speak sweet okay well that was a tangent but we just love friday the 13th so i just wanted to uh, they did dead ringers with the soska sisters fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um i'm a fan in case nobody knows that it's uh yeah so sisters oh <laughs> soska sisters we love them we did an episode about them already um yeah so definitely check out switchblade sisters so very good. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so to focus... Wow, I cannot talk. Words are hard. The focus of today's episode... Um, we teased- Is stupid Americans ruining fantastic foreign movies. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a I'm hit, or, it's a hit or a miss. And what's really interesting, the, the topic of our episode today uh, is a movie uh, called A Tale of Two Sisters. It's a... Korean, or I'm sorry, a South Korean psychological horror drama film directed by Ki uh, Ji Woon. And it's remake, um, The Uninvited. And The Uninvited uh, came out in 2008, and A Tale of Two Sisters came out in 2003. Um, and like you said before, uh, with American remakes, uh, the uninvited came out as a 
I don't know. You want if you want to say like a reaction, or you want to be a little bit more cynical, you could say like a like a inspired by inspired by, or like a quote unquote like guaranteed cash grab, whatever, whatever, however you want to spin it. Basically, um, you know the the ring. Uh, and the Grudge American remakes—they were crushing the box office around this era. So the creators and developers of this film were looking for uh, another film that they could adapt, and uh, a tale of two sisters was brought to their attention, and that's how uh, the Uninvited became a thing. Um, so I'm gonna bury the lead. Ride does not like the uninvited. <laughs> I wonder what gave it away. Yeah. Um. So I've never seen, I never seen either of these films before. But I remember. Yay! Yeah. But I remember fresh. <laughs> but I remember seeing trailers, uh, for uninvited, and I could definitely see why Ryan, you feel that way because I feel that way too. Um, the Tale of Two Sisters is this avant-garde um, horror drama that just constantly plays with your expectations. It's constantly keeping you guessing, and not in like a frustrating way. Like it, um, for a horror film, it's a little bit long; it's like two hours. But like it, it continually builds this tension, um, and then like the the third act twist secret reveal in like the last half hour or so it's just like game changing um it like completely recontextualizes the composition and like the mood of the film um so it's definitely a film that's set up and i definitely would recommend what rewatching it i mean i haven't rewatched it yet but knowing now what i did what didn't um it just puts a lot of these small um, I guess like little hints into bigger perspective, and then uninvited. It just it just feels like it, it, I think it's just littered with like really low hanging and not lazy, but like just really commonplace horror tropes. And it lacked the uh, it lacked like the I don't know how to explain it. It just lacked like the the tension, and it it, it kind of just I just felt like it, it was spoon feeding me, um, all these, it, it, like at the beginning, I it just kept spooning me feeding me like these. Oh yeah, expect a twist or, um, I don't know. Just the the tale of two sisters just constantly kept me on edge and kept me get, guessing. And then when you see the reveal in the end, it's just like wow, that that was awesome. That was really satisfying. So that was that's my like general temp check of these two films. Uh, Rai, how about you? So the first time I saw a tale of two sisters, I immediately went on a Asian horror movie binge because Asian horror. It, there's a trope with Asian horror. They do these slow burns, so everything very slowly builds and there are a lot of people that get really irritated by slow burns um if you're not used to the genre it can seem boring and long and drawn out american remakes and american horror movies in general you find that they have to throw something else in to keep the tension high and that's not always the recipe for a horror movie sometimes a slow burn really works to your advantage. And maybe I'm misremembering or maybe we just haven't covered it yet, but I don't think I've really found too many, not not any, but too many American horror movies that can deliver a proper slow burn the way you see them in Asian horror. See, now I... again, before you guys at me, I'm saying not too many, not non-existent, because I know they're like, I know they're there, but I feel like it's sort of a recipe in terms of the Asian horror genre, mm -hmm. and while I have no issue with the Ring remake. Mm -hmm. Both the Grudge and the Grudge remake are probably two of the most 
horrifying movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> a Tale of Two Sisters. I knew all the jumps were coming and I still jumped. I spilled wine all over my kitchen floor while I was watching this while I was baking. Uh, I'm multitasking for the win. I still got scared from this movie and I've seen it so many times. For, for me, that it, it was a little bit of the is inverse. an achievement. It is. It is. Um, for me, it's a little bit of the inverse where, like, yes, like the jump scares were like really great, but like for me, like the real tension, like the the real like f- sense of foreboding and dread, it was like so much of like the first two thirds of the film. It's just completely silent. Like there's no music, and it's and it takes place in this korean like like this half traditional korean um like gothic house like it house is old it's i want that house yeah it's 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 large but also claustrophobic like tight narrow stairways and hallways and then like the it just the wood floorboards creak everywhere so like you just get these like these really long um, uh, shots where you just see them slowly walk through a house, and you just hear these these groans of, and it just it just builds anticipation. It's like, oh no, like like I I, I can't like I I definitely agree with Rye. Like you have to have, your brain has to be trained. You have to learn to be patient and learn to understand like these type of films will have a payoff um and i just i just love how like especially the sound design um and like the type of cinematography especially like how it uses charoscuro like um light like like severe contrast of light and shadow to like build mood and tension like um yeah this movie put me on a constant edge it was great I definitely understand that there are people that put on a horror movie and they don't want to have patience. They want to go through the movie and experience it and enjoy it. I do think that half the fun of watching Asian horror is the slow burn experience you get from it and the patience from waiting and watching for the payoff. When I was rewatching A Tale of Two Sisters, because it had been a bit, I knew the twist from the end, from, from the beginning. I remembered it. But they never, I, I knew the outcome, but they never made it obvious. They never hit me over the head with it. There was a certain finesse about The Tale of Two Sisters that I don't know if we've quite mastered yet because there are things about foreign horror that I watch and I go I can't see an American director accomplishing this whether it's a tale of two sisters or let the right one in or a girl walks home alone at night there are certain things that these directors do that I don't know if we're capable of and that's okay but then don't remake the movie (laughs) just just don't do it just leave it alone just because it has success with a foreign audience does not mean it will translate well And I think that that's exactly what happened with The Uninvited. It doesn't translate well. They hit you over the head with the whole evil stepmother trope. They shove it down your throat from the beginning. They make it far too obvious that the sister's dead. And on top of all of that, and maybe it's because they knew that they were making it really obvious, they added that one extra thing at the end, which... I feel like because slow burns are not really a thing that a lot of people are capable of appreciating, I feel like I'm repeating myself and I'm doing it for a reason. Um, I think that adding that one extra little B-plot it just is their seemed... way of trying to move the story along and escalate it in a way that's not always necessary. I think it just felt disjointed it felt like it felt chaotic chaotic and yeah i mean the movie's not that much shorter than a tale of two sisters it's a an hour and a half long but um 
right at the very beginning, you have this dream sequence, um, and then the narr- uh, it was like either the psychiatrist or the main character herself. They're just playing Captain Exposition. Um, so it's just like already, it's like, oh, okay, well, yeah, show, but don't tell, don't tell me anything. Like, just the, the I, I feel like with so many, um. I feel like with American films, and I feel like with a lot of, uh, especially adaptations of, um, you know, not not just like Asian horror or foreign horror, but like lots of other foreign media. Like, for example, like uh, for those who listen to Super Nerd Pals, I'm a huge anime fan, and we, you know, I have a lot of hot takes about how anime is adapted into live action films, like like Netflix's Death Note, and you know, the, a lot of times the creators don't trust the audience or they don't think they're smart enough so they have to like put everything in big large bold letters and a hundred percent and i hate it it makes me feel so dumb it's like i can i can get it it's like trust your audience um but um so let's back it up a little bit so for the for anyone who is this far in and not quite sure yeah read us that synopsis chris (laughs) um so, A Tale of Two Sisters, um, it's actually based on a, uh, v- a very popular uh, Korean folktale called uh, Jung-Hwa Kyung-Ryeon-Jun. Uh, it's been adapted to film plenty of times. Um, so, A Tale of Two Sisters is like a modern, it's one of the, uh, it's another modern horror, I want to, I, I would say like gothic horror, um, uh, reimagining. So, uh, the basic premise is uh, you have two sisters, uh, Sumi and um, uh, Suyun, and both of them return home f- from uh, from being treated for um, shock and uh, some undescribed like psychotic break uh, at a mental institution. Um, they live in a secluded estate in the countryside with their dad, um, and they also live with their stepmother. Um, and the story unfolds where um, bizarre, strange events happen around the house, uh, whether it's just like familiar tension just boiling um, into a flashpoint um or like these legit or quote-unquote legit like the movie always questions your the sense of reality like there's these paranormal spirits paranormal events going around the house um and the movie continues to escalate like family family ties are strained um the stepmother is becoming increasingly hostile uh sumi is becoming increasingly distressed and Suyan is um she's becoming increasingly terrified and it's this interplay of it's like it's like this this is it's like this three-part drama between three women the father is like basically like out of the picture like he's cold aloof and like i don't know he's he 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 just has like zero bearing on the story in a way where he's just there. Um, but he's not really he's there. Not, he's not really there. If anything, he just like makes things worse um, because of the, his aloofness and his coldness. Um, and this amounts towards this traumatic, shocking twist in the end. Um, Involving dark familial secrets, um, and it's really well done. Um, and then the uninvited is basically um, somewhat similar. Uh, Anna Ivers, um, she's been in a psychiatric ward for ten months uh, after com- trying to commit suicide um, after her terminally ill mother dies in a boathouse fire. Um, she she has trouble remembering what happened. Uh, she's trouble adjusting, um, and when she comes back, um, she comes back home. She finds that 
their mother's nurse has become her dad's new girlfriend. She's moved in, and um, there's this plot where um, it's per- it's perceived or like basically Alex, uh, Anna, and her sister Alex um, ha- get into their heads that um, what's her name? God. Uh, she's uh, Elizabeth Banks. Oh, Rachel. That's right, Rachel. Rachel's. Right. She's actually like a black widow, and she's gonna. She she killed their mother, and she has plots and uh, schemes to kill them as well. Um, and it's basically like a cat and mouse detective game. Um, and it too tries to end in a sh- twist shock ending. Uh, so that's basically the prop. Uh, twin. I mean, like, they're loosely connected. Um, but in terms of their execution, it's wildly different. Yeah. So the the subplot of her seeing ch- dead children and um, the murder and the Black Widow thing, you find out that that was sort of whispered to her in her initial and uh i don't want to say incarceration but in her initial stint in the mental institution uh that the at large nanny that killed the children is actually her mental institution neighbor yeah <laughs> and and she lives right it was, the door. and she lives right across from her. She still has the pearls, which I'm pretty sure would not be allowed in any sort of institution. Anything that could be seen as something that could be hazardous or dangerous. I, I mean, I, I, I don't actually know, but I'm just guessing. Mm. It was unnecessary. I think that a director's best shot if they're going to remake something like this is to try and maintain a lot of the mysticism that goes around that. I'm not saying keep the supernatural aspects of it. There was a little bit of that, but not as much as Asian horror. And I think that, especially in something like A Tale of Two Sisters, the supernatural has meaning for them. Their supernatural is a very specific trope in that genre. It is a very specific vehicle for storytelling. We don't necessarily need that in a remake. So I get why you would omit that, but there are so many other beautiful elements that a director could have taken from that. We didn't need the B-plotting, murderous nanny, like, thing. We didn't need any of that. Yeah, so... We're not... Your audience is... Okay, if you're ever thinking about doing a movie, whether it's a remake or from scratch, know this. Your audience isn't stupid. Yeah. Treat the audience with respect and, like, trust that they can figure stuff out. They don't need everything spilled out. Like, for comic book movies, no one needs to see Uncle Ben dying for, like, the 20th time. Like, people know. People can catch up. Thank you, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yes. <laughs> but that's sort of our point. If a, if a Marvel movie can finally decide that it's not going to redo Spider-Man's origin story all over again for the 65 millionth time, then a horror movie can figure out that nuances aren't bad and that your audience is a lot more intelligent than you give them credit for. See, what I, what I think about The Invited, like they took like the most basic plot skeleton so yes you have two sisters um coming from an institution um there's the threat of well there's the specter of death of the deceased mother and then you have this quote-unquote new threat of this new mother figure or in case of the unabated like the new girlfriend um and in so far as that, like, then they tried building a brand new plot out of very iconic visual scenes from A Tale of Two Sisters, like the giant bloody bag, um, and Uninvited, that was dragged around by 
the stepmother, um, which was you replicated more than a few times um, in Uninvited, except there were just like bloody pe- uh, like bloody trash bags with bodies. Um, one of them was... They tried. They tried. Bless. Yeah. They tried. They tried. <laughs> they, they, yeah, it legit feels like they, they took like really... St- like the most shocking images from A Tale Two Sisters throughout the context of that and just tried to... Tried to... They put it in front of them. It's like, okay, we got... We got a trash bag um, from that one scene. We have a trash bag that moves, mm-hmm. and it's creepy, so let's do it again. Yeah, and uh, and then they, I mean, like, um, I mean, it's interesting you point out, like, the, the evil stepmother trope and, like, the fact that it's based on a fairy tale, like... Um, so many like Western style, especially like Grim Brothers Grimm fairy tales. Um, after uh, I, I want to say like, I don't know, in its hate, like the middle portion of its publication, like Grimm fairy tales has been edited over eighteen times. Um, so it was edited for various reasons, like, um. It wasn't conservative enough. It didn't espouse enough Christian values. Um, so over time, it got sanitized. But at the same time, um, so, like punishments for the villains, quote unquote, became more harsh and severe. So they dealt more as morality tales. And out of this tradition comes the the stereotype of the evil stepmother. Um, so, which was clearly drawn upon here, but one of my biggest gripes, um, okay, so spoilers, um, for the uninvited. Eternal spoilers (laughs) on this show. You guys know that already. Yeah. (laughs) So, spoilers. So, in the, so, in the big third act reveal, um, uh, Anna wakes up from her bed. She walks down. She sees, like, the bloody trail, um, which is very reminiscent of imagery from... I tell two sisters, she follows it to the dumpster, um, and she opens up the dumpster and the body of Rachel, the the nurse slash new girlfriend. Uh, she's there, she's been dumped there, she's been stabbed to death, and her dad arrives, um, and he's asking what's going on, and Anna says, Alex killed him. Alex killed him. And this is where the big reveal happens. Like, oh, big twist, big shock. Um, the, the Porsche lights turn Alex on. has been dead for a year. Yeah, Alex has been dead. She's been dead the whole entire time. She's been in a hallucination or um, part of her dissociative identity disorder. And she looks down. Instead of holding Alex's hand, she's actually holding the knife that killed Rachel. Um, and then, so we, we see that Anna killed Rachel, and she imagined the whole. Who imagined her sister being alive? Then she basically imagined or manifested the whole murder plot because um, Rachel was actually innocent. Um, she was not. Um, oh God, what was her name? She was not Mildred Kemp, the former or the killer who got away with. Uh, tranquilizing and killing her own kids. Uh, she did change her name, um, but that was because of an abusive ex-boyfriend or ex-husband. Um, so it turned out she was innocent all along, but I felt like the movie really... Uh, I don't know. I know I, I was reading inter- production notes. Elizabeth Banks, when reading and studying for this role, she wanted the character's delivery and dialogue to be able to be read in two different ways. Like, yes, it could be read as sinister or it could be read as innocent. Um, and I, after watching it, I really, I really couldn't see how it would, it could be played off as her being innocent or no, I, throughout the entire time, like her delivery and, her direction may, may it might not be Elizabeth Banks's um, fault. It might be just the direction she was given. She clearly sounded evil and sinister for the majority of the film, and so I didn't buy the 
the pity you're supposed to feel like oh rachel was innocent the entire time no she sounded straight up evil like for the majority of the film so i do think that that could have been a recovery line but also in the same breath think about the lens that you're okay i hated this movie but i'm gonna give some hot takes, i'm gonna give it takes. some credit <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give it some credit for this. So think about the lens that you watch this movie through. It's an unreliable narrator. So for her, everything she says is evil anyway. It has malicious intent. If you look at it through the lens of she is mentally unwell, then yeah, everything she said did come from a genuine place of caring and sweetness and innocence and nothing about it at all had any malintent. So yeah, okay, I'll, I'll I'll give that credit, but that's about the only credit I'm gonna give it. <laughs> but thinking of it that way, sure, it it makes a lot of sense. Again, I just I I don't like this movie. <laughs> they they really it, it's like beating a dead horse, like literally, or continuously bashing someone in the head that already has a concussion. You're not going to get the point across any more. They made it way too obvious. They, at least with the stepmother figure in A Tale of Two Sisters, you knew there was something off about her, and it only progressively got worse as the main character got worse. From the get-go, Elizabeth Banks was portrayed as there's something not right about her. Whether it was the smiling and the reveal of her coming at the daughter from... Into, from being concealed in shadow coming into the light there was nothing about it where they tried to make an effort as like a a descent into madness so to speak the more she descended the worse the stepmother figure got that didn't happen in the remake she from the jump is just nasty mean malicious and that's it yeah. and also the dialogue. Ooh. There were a lot of dead giveaways <laughs> listening to it again. There were so many giveaways, and that really pissed me off. At least when you watched A Tale of Two Sisters, yes, the father was aloof. But when you saw the stepmother interacting with both of them, you couldn't tell that she was looking at one more than the other. So they never really gave away that the sister was dead the whole time with this one they absolutely did why are you only calling for anna and not alex why are you only looking in her direction why do you never say both you two we the whole nine they don't even try to hide it see a tale a tale two sisters played it really slick and really nuanced so like for example and i do think that that has a lot to do with the fact that it is a slow build exactly i really do mm -hmm. um yeah for certain examples um so again spoiler warning um it's revealed at the end that uh suyan has been dead the entire time the uh sumi uh sumi uh, or uh, the Suyan and the stepmother we've been seeing are actually hallucinations and um, aspects of her dissociative identity disorder as well. Um, um, and this was brought upon by this intense psychotic break caused by when um, her mother, her her birth mother. Um, committed suicide. Suyan uh, witnessed this, tried to save her mom, and um, gets crushed by the wardrobe, and she suffers and dies. And <sighs> um, Sumi, in her rage, uh, and her... Um, uh, I guess, like, valid... valid um, hatred? Hatred, or just... Uh, what's it called? Uh, yeah, I guess she's going with hatred of the stepmother, what she's doing. She um, she removed herself from the, uh, the removed herself from the situation to be of help to Suyan, and also the stepmom. She was so petty as well. She 
she witnessed this accident and she did nothing about it and she, oh she's guilty as hell yeah she did nothing about it and and she um she straight up says to uh sumi like you'll regret this one day um and because of that guilt for not being for her sister being around for her sister creates a psychotic break and she creates alternate um uh identities based on that severe trauma um and there's very very subtle hints um within like the first two hours or actually maybe like first hour and a half um that's leading up to the reveal like and they're very subtle like for example um the stepmother and suyan getting periods at the same time um the mother folding her father's clothes um and then she walks to a room and she sees a, a alternate set of clothes already folded on the ground there was a scene where uh suyan uh, unpacks um a notebook and a diary or journal and an identical set of those books are on the dresser already or the fact that um whenever all three or whenever like at least sumi and suyan are in the room and someone else is talking to them um uh either it'll be like the dad or like one one person would address the other sister but like it doesn't make it so obvious like they alternate which sister they talk to um and um uh, oh there's one other scene where the stepmother organizes a a dinner party but it was actually sumi at the table and um the stepmother was recounting a memory that she shouldn't have had it, it was a memory that belonged to sumi so there's very very small hints and then once you rewatch it or once you rewind after the big reveal it's like oh it made so much sense it's crazy yeah again just everything makes more sense in the original mm -hmm. and don't get me wrong there aren't like i said earlier the ring and the grudge I don't hate those remakes. I think they were done well for what they were. But there is something about... I don't call them more artistic. But the more thought out uh, films... That those are the ones that have a tendency to get remade. And then dumbed down significantly. Mm. And very, very unnecessarily. And I think that that's what irritates me so much about The Uninvited. It's not that they... It's not just that they remade something that didn't need to be remade. It's the fact that they did it stupidly. And the, the thing is, like, in American films... Um, you know, the idea of... Like... Um, dissociative identity disorder um, as like the crux of the like a like a major reveal like or the or just how trauma can manifest itself in really weird ways whether it could be on the fringes of the paranormal and like I feel like one of the most powerful American examples of this would be Shutter Island um, mm, I, yeah that's something that that does you know, like you can see like bits and pieces of like similarities between a tale of two sisters or, and even the uninvited and but like the, the shutter island has done it so much better um and that's because it, it takes time to build it, it builds tension and um it it's it's basically a murder mystery wrapped in um scenes of the paranormal whether it's real or imagined or both um i mean that's like i i, I that i that's for me when i was watching a tale two sisters like like i felt really i felt like i got these flashes like oh this feels like shutter island and this this feels like um what's it called uh the haunting of hill house like um i was just getting those vibes it was and it was and but this predates them like by a long while so what i will say about 
the portrayal of mental illness in horror movies, a lot of the times when you have a character who has something like DID, dissociative identity disorder, bipolar disorder, any sort of mental health issue, they are always portrayed in a negative way as the bad guy, and it's never really good. Mm-hmm. However, if I have to show any sort of support, it didn't feel malicious the way they were trying to portray all of this in the tale of two sisters like would i come out of that saying this was really harmful to people who are mentally ill i wouldn't say it's necessarily as harmful as the uninvited the uninvited i think that that one was worse that was worse it was problematic like it was extremely problematic but again yeah i think it, it I think that there are better ways to do it. I'm not trying to shit on A Tale of Two Sisters. Uh, it, it's just in terms of that one that one aspect of horror, horror movies in general, especially this one, when it comes to portraying mental health, it's always negative. And I don't necessarily like that. But in this case, it wasn't as nearly problematic as it usually is. Yeah. I, like, even Shutter Island, like, it wasn't... It wasn't that bad. I felt like uh, Uninvited was... it. You mentioned like... Uh, she looks at the doctor and says, I did exactly what you told me to. I finished what I started. And has gone, forgive the expression, full crazy. And is just sort of not really there. And, but She's not acting like we saw her. I don't think it earned that dramatic a an acceleration of progression. Because like, for, the, for the most part, like... She seemed relatively adjusted. And then, like, just, like, oh, in the last 15 minutes, okay, we're going to make her super crazy. And then we're going to do this visually by giving her, like, a much darker hair tone or, or, or like, I don't know. I thought it was... Yeah, that, not cute. That was not subtle at all, whoever decided to do that. You gave her, like, beach wavy brown hair, and then at the end it was straight and black. Yeah, just, uh, oh, look, now now I... I Dis- discover my emo phase great <laughs> um i think the most I, I, and I, yeah oh no go ahead i just want to clarify because i don't want people to get upset with me when i say full crazy i i don't mean that the the way other people say full cra- i'm defending myself here for a reason I am a mental health advocate. I'm not saying I'm not trying to come off as like negative about this. I'm just saying that this was the way I felt the movie was feeding me mm. what they were showing me. I'm not trying to come across in any kind of way. Yeah. Um Yeah. I think like the most egregious like Oh, Chris yeah, said something was yeah, egregious. Yes. Everyone sit down. Yes. Sit down. Yes. Like, so you mentioned before, <laughs> like, some of the dialogue is really bad. And some of the dialogue is really problematic. There's two content warning, trigger warning. Not just bad. It gives everything away. Well, not, well like, th- it's just independent of that. It's just, like, it's just, it just falls flat. It's like, why, why did you write this? And why? Nobody talks like this. Yeah, nobody talks like this. And why did you keep in the script? So there's two of them. So it was one with Rachel... Uh, and this feeds into like the mental health um, discussion we're ta- we're having. So there was there was one where um, Anna just she comes back from the mental institution, and then Rachel makes like this really uh, tone deaf um, comment. It was like, "Oh, you're so skinny. Maybe I should enroll in the mental institution." It's like, "Oh." Oh no, oh no! And then, and then Anna, then she commits that sin, um, where she's talking to her love interest on the dock, um, and I don't remember exactly what was the context. I think it was just something about like getting attention, or so I don't know. But she like Anna tries to place it off as a joke, and she straight up says, "Well, maybe you should try slitting your wrist one time." It's like, oh my god. Please. Please Yeah. Please don't. Uh, Yeah. It was bad. It was really bad. Anyway. uh... Yeah, she basically insinuated that if he had 
tried to do the same thing she did, they could have been roommates. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, not cute. <laughs> that's just not cute. I mean, that's that's really bad in general for an attempt at gallows humor. That's just tasteless. Anywho. A lot of it was tasteless. So in terms of dialogue that actually gave the whole plot away, in case it wasn't already obvious while you were watching it, um, things like the sister Alex looks at her and says, last time I checked, you didn't become some psycho serial killer overnight. Uh, <laughs> and then immediately goes to talking about the stepmother. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. What do you, What? Or, no, or, you're right. She didn't become one overnight. Or, she had a traumatic event, and it happened over the course of a year. Or, or the fact that, like, in a reasonable, sane world, like, I I love how it, it's just, it was almost comical, like, how instantaneously on board Alex was with this crazy conspiracy theory. And you find, oh, yep. of course, like... Of course she's going to go along with whatever her sister says. It's her sister's hallucination. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay. At the very least you don't have I mean, you have her hallucinating her dead sister, which fine, but at least there was some substance in the Korean film. Mm. She her mind completely broke. It completely split. So she was going back and forth between her and reliving what happened to her sister and being the stepmother. That is... Yeah. That's incredible. And it made for some beautifully haunting imagery. But this was just not good. <laughs> do you see why I hate this movie? I do. Uh, let's talk about something we like or loved. So... Uh, about to, what? Oh, about the Two Sisters, because clearly. Oh, okay. So, so this would be my first watch. I'd say. How did? Yeah. I'd say like hands down, like I think like the most masterful stroke of genius this movie does is the entire film, including like including the the reveal that she has DID. Um. All this time, you're being led to believe that, okay, Sumi is obviously an unreliable narrator. And it's like, okay, we, we definitely know she's an unreliable narrator now because she has three different personalities. Um, but it's like, okay, great. Yeah, well, that, that, was, that took me on a trip. That was insane. Like, I'm really satisfied. And then it makes another, like, one last kick uh, while you're down. Um, it provides another twist where yes all of this mental health did um psychological trauma distress is real but at the same time all the paranormal stuff you were seeing that you thought were hallucinations oh yeah they're real as well like they're they're like so the supernatural still plays an empowering or a powerful force like the the ghost of the mom was real and the the girl the 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 real ghost of Sumi um, was real too um, because in one of the final scenes, Sumi um, starts to hear whistling um, from the ghost of Suyan, and the the real life Suyan wasn't able to whistle, but this ghost was, and she's whistling to signal to her sister, um, and then. Um, there's like this surreal last scene where like the real real stepmother um, she gets straight up killed by the ghost of Sumi like she gets revenge she gets her revenge um, and we re we see that like the same ghost we saw before like it was uh, the the ghost of Sumi uh, was this crazy messed up creature we saw a couple times like the most pivotal scene we saw her was underneath the sink um and um when you rewatch it the clothing that that being wore and the same one in the end are are identical so it's heavily implied that this is sumi and she is real ghost and she gets her revenge and then or suyan gets her revenge and sumi falls asleep in the mental institution 
finally at peace. And it's like, holy shit, not only did you, like, take us on this trip, like, there were real ghosts the entire time as well. That was awesome. I love that. I love that it still... That's why I love this yeah, movie it was so, so much. Good. It's, like, it's like, oh, okay, great. Like, like it, after I saw that reveal, it was like, great. Like, uh, this is great. And then, and then like, the crazy revenge, or ghost revenge plot just, like, just snuck in for, like, to nail, nail a coffin. And I was like, wow, that was ingenious. Um, did it live up to the hype I've been yes, laying down it definitely for did. a year? Okay. It definitely did. Um... um yeah, oof, it was great. It was and it, for a horror film, it was lengthy, but the payoff was like excellent. It was like wow, and um, and uh, when I was doing some research, um, the director of Tale Two Sisters, um, he's actually uh, a director. Of one of my other um top South Korean horror, well, maybe not horror, but like, um. We talked about this before a little bit. Um, he directed Doomsday Book, which is one of my favorite South Korean films ever. Um, and it he directed this short film about a robot who practices Buddhism and attains like, enlightenment and nirvana. And it's like really trippy. It's really thought-provoking. Really uh, stretches your your brain your imagination and challenges your your thoughts and your expectations i feel i could definitely see how that um at play in the tale of two sisters so and obviously we love it and obviously the international community loves it because i i i think this film has the claim to fade to be in like one of the first foreign horror films to be aired in the u.s ever um which is pretty awesome. I'm just really happy you liked it. I was so nervous that you were going to be I really, because I feel like there's always a chance and it's always more likely that when Chris recommends some weird, crazy movie he likes, that I'm probably going to enjoy it. As long as it's beyond John Carpenter, as long as it's not too heavily body horror centric and this is coming from someone who hates body horror but loves american mary for some strange reason mm. there is always a chance that when chris recommends something i'm going to love it mm. however <laughs> if i tell chris about a movie i am always so scared that i have been talking it up for forever and a half and that he's going to hate it I mean, I think so if I... there's something down the pipeline that i've seen like 60 t- like 60 million times and i love it i just won't tell you okay. i'm just gonna <laughs> Say, oh, I've seen it before. What, because... What's it called? A blind study? There you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I just, I want to see how you feel about it. I'm always so nervous that you're going to hate everything that no, I did. And there's a couple why? of them coming down the pipeline. <laughs> because I have really weird tastes in horror movies. There are horror movies that I swear by that people are like, oh, you like that. So I just, <laughs> I'd rather just have you go into it blind and, you know, I also think that, and Chris and I have been talking about this outside of recordings forever and a half, if I'm watching something, A, that he's recommended, and B, for the first time, the things I will text him oh, while beautiful. I'm watching it. They're beautiful. It's... I feel like we need to start taking screenshots and yeah, just posting we... them just... to Twitter and Instagram. Just be active on Twitter. Just live tweet more. <laughs> You want me to okay? Because I've just, definitely live tweeted or just like out of several con- things. out of context like messages from Ryan Chris, just like <laughs> okay, that's it. We're doing it. There it's canon. Go. It's canon. Next time this happens, yeah. you're just gonna post out of context text messages, yes. and I will just live tweet the hell yes. out of it. Very good. Like I, I'll do it. Very, I'll fucking do good. it. Very good. Um, but Chris is always like Chris is always so silent whenever he's watching something. Like oh, I never hear from him. It's so, I'm so, so sorry. it always gets me. No, no, no! Don't apologize. It's the way you enjoy things. So I was so scared that you were going to hate this. It's, it's weird. Like, uh, like in my natural state, like I'm kind of a terrible person to like watch a movie with. Not. not Do you yell at the TV no, too? No, no, no. I don't yell. Oh, okay. At, I, I don't yell at the TV. Um, oh, you're stoic the dude, whole oh my, time. Like I like, I like, I need to be immersed 
So, like, most of the time... Oh, my God. You and I can never watch a movie together. Well, I mean, obviously, it's all about, it's all about like, setting the social expectations. So, if we're going to see a film together and we're, and, like, clearly we want to, like, commentate and make fun of it. Oh, yeah. I'm down the clown. But most of the time, I'm, like, zeroed in. I'm trying to look for, like, like hidden clues i just want to be like drawn into the film and just be part of it so like that's why like like that's why i hate like the quote-unquote hate like like i just don't want to be interrupted like i just want to be zeroed in i want to uh, be focused no! <laughs> but, but, like no i uh, like don't get me wrong like i love i love like like in a like in a like if like the situation calls for it or like or, or the expectation is there where we're like, okay, we're gonna hate watch like Deathbed, and we're just gonna like yell oh, at the God. at the TV. Yes, I'm all for it. But most of the time, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm, pre- I'm gonna press play. I'm gonna um, put on my headphones. I'm gonna have I I don't want to leave my table or leave my desk or chair. I'm just gonna sit here and just not move until start to finish. And then yeah, so. That's just. I mean, okay. To be fair, I'm like that about things I've never seen before. But if I've seen it a bunch, I like, I get sassy with the movie. Like when I was watching The Uninvited, I was like, "Yeah, no shit." Like I, I'm terrible when it comes to things that I've seen before because I will make a commentary about it because I get excited or irritated in this case. But I guess in some respects. I'm like you in the sense that if it's something I've seen for the first time, I sit there and I watch it. Just, I'm immersed. I'm in the moment. Unless there's something I get really excited about, like when I was watching Event Horizon. Oh, yes. And I was texting you at 8.30 in the morning. No, it's very, it's the perfect And I time. was like, it's Hellraiser in space. This yeah. is fantastic. Oh, of I love that. I love, I mean, like, especially for films that I love. Like, yes, please. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know we, we... Yeah, Chris and I clearly have very different watching styles. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> like, you know, like, I can... It's, I can code switch. You know, I can I can switch. I don't know. Like, like just my, my normal default is just, like, zeroed in. Like, yeah, just um, just be immersed for, like, the next two hours. and. Oh, my yeah. God. We should do a live stream of the two of us simultaneously <laughs> watching the same movie at the same time just for comparative purposes uh, well we, there is netflix party that plug-in where you can watch movies together so i mean yeah you can do that so <laughs> i think we have to try it okay. as, just like as a social experiment i think we need to try you know, this we've been, we've been talking about youtube like the you uh youtube oh what's it called netflix party yeah we've been talking about it for a while i think it's still active it's a google chrome plugin so we should check it out. Yeah, and in general, dreadful. Stay tuned. This might be a thing. Yeah, and in general, like we, we talked. I, mean, I know this is horribly off topic about like our movies, but you know, we always talked about doing commentary tracks, and I would love to do that. So, yeah. Anywho. Just publish. Just publish all the texts I sent. <laughs> out of context. Yes. Um, left for, left for dread out of context. Yes, left for dread out of context. Okay. Yes. Okay. Anywho, let's get back. Um, <laughs> Final thoughts about um, both films? Um, I will forever love A Tale of Two Sisters. There's always going to be a spot in my heart for Asian horror because it does, there are so many elements to it that do genuinely terrify me. And it does make, and I enjoy being scared. So it makes for fantastic filmmaking. And it's definitely a genre that I have neglected in the past couple of years. So I was so happy to come back to this film, especially because it's something that I was familiar with, but had just hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, I definitely want to make a point of putting more, not just Asian horror, but foreign horror on this list, because I do think that it sort of goes... It flies under the radar a lot unless it gets a like, super large amount of attention. I do think that there is a lot out there that flies under the radar because it doesn't get noticed enough. And I think that that's going to be a potential goal for us, possibly, for 2020. We're going to include more foreign horror. Yeah, look, peeling back the curtain again, like on our cello board, like back when we were planning episodes and um, pitches for 
episode ideas, you know, there was like a giant block of just like J horror and K horror and anime horror film and like even like stuff like Italian horror films, you know. Um, so definitely, definitely all four for more horror. Um, and definitely, I'm not definitely all more or all, all four like more South Korean horror flicks. Um, I, I think. At the, still to this day, I think still my favorite South Korean horror flick is Train to Busan. Uh, it's so good. Yes. It's so good. That was so, so good. good. Um, by the way, Train to Busan 2 sequel, where are you at? I know you confirmed, but where are you at? Oh, it's coming. It's I'm a, a, a very rare moment where I'm super stoked for a sequel because not that I think that they need it, but I know it'll be done well and correctly because the first one was such a massive success. Still on Netflix, go watch it. <laughs> I think it's on Shudder too. Yes, it's so good. Yes. Ever- it's just, it was so good. And I saw Soul Station too. And while I loved Soul Station and I thought it was great, Train to Busan exceeded all my expectations. And, there's a and my VR husband thing. who hates horror movies... Oh, God, don't get me started on that. <laughs> but my husband hates horror movies with a passion. He loved Train to Busan. Good. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. That's about as glowing of a recommendation as I can give you. He cannot stand horror movies. He will not. Like, every time I have to watch one for a recording, I go, do you want to sit and watch it with me? He's like, no, thanks. He would just rather do anything else. <laughs> You know, you know, I would rather do anything else than watch than rewatch the uninvited. The uninvited. <laughs> That's my hot take for the other film. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I I respect like Elizabeth Banks. I think um, I respect her too, but and I uh, she could do without this. On she her could resume. do without this. She could. Oh, who the dad? The dad's such a good, talented actor, and he, he he had to be in this film. Um, the dad was played by a. Uh, David David Strahorn. Um, so you might have seen him in uh, The Born Ultimatum, or um, oh, I just seen another movie with him recently. Oh gosh. Um, oh, he was in Alphas, um, Lincoln. Um, he, very very talented actor, and I I'm so sad that he he was in this film because <laughs> he deserves better <laughs> he deserves so much better he's so much more talented than that so yeah anywho you're not missing anything by watching the uninvited so just just go. watch a tale of yeah, two sisters exactly <laughs> just go go watch that film it's amazing um and you know stay tuned because we definitely plan to do more horror uh, uh more foreign horror films um you know if you're looking for a place to start, you know, Train to Busan. Um, I mean, another... Oh, God. Uh, one that comes to mind where if you're looking for a really, really bad, so bad that it's so good type of J-horror, uh, Infection, that's a great one. Um, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, are, there are also a ton of films like... Uh, the Wailing, Dumpling, there's A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, there's Raw, there are so many high tension. Uh, Goodnight Mommy, I believe, is a Swedish film. Um, there is a great Asian zombie movie that's on Shutter right now. There are so many fantastically done foreign horror movies that either poke fun at the genre and do it in a really great way or are just so beautiful and they make you think that I feel like you're missing out if they're not in your repertoire if you haven't seen them already mm-hmm. and I mean if you're looking if you don't know where to start you know you can always message us um you know tweet at us tweet email at us. us yeah or email us like, yeah, get hell it. yeah you know, like we are here to educate and uh, edutain so if you're looking for something, for, you know, and we haven't discovered it or haven't reviewed it, um, we just reach out to us. We'll give you we'll give you all the deets on what to check out. So that's where by the end of this recording, not when this is posted, by the end of this recording. So by the time you're listening to this, I'm going to make it a goal for 
both Chris and I to have a list of our go-to foreign horror movies up on the website for you guys to check out in case you haven't explored that side of horror yet and you're looking to. Yes, we'll make it a blog post. So, and so, so <laughs> go check If you're listening to this on a Friday, go check out our blog because it's been there. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that about, that about wraps it up. So, uh, Rye, where could all of our dreadfuls find us? And especially if you're a new listener. And thank you. Thank you if you are. <laughs> thank you for listening to another episode of Left for Dread. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Everything helps. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify every Friday. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Left for Dread Pod. You can find us on Facebook, and you can check us out on our website at leftfordread.com. And uh, what can listeners expect for next week? Well, we try not to give too much away in terms of the week to week because you want to talk about peeling behind the curtain. (laughs) But we are going to start... Not another franchise necessarily, because this is a very teeny tiny franchise, mm-hmm. but we're going to be exploring a very oldie but a goodie found footage horror franchise. I'm talking about Blair Witch Project. Shiny, Because it's been ages since I've seen Blair Witch. Yeah, so um, go, go to your- And Blair Witch 2, and I've never seen the 2016 movie, so I'm very excited about this. I haven't either. Also- I mean, there are, there's the the Blair Witch video game, which came out, which I'm buying. Which are, yeah, I think it, it came. I, I I was really surprised. It's either coming out or it came. It already out. came out. I think it came out like September, actually. So. Oh shit! I'm yeah. behind. So yeah, I was too busy playing Pokemon. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> um. So yeah. So uh, So go to your blockbuster, rent rent Blair Witch on VHS, and then get ready to discuss it next week. <laughs> that's what i did um so yeah stay tuned and don't forget stay dreadful